Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Ralph Breaks the Internet in today's statistics episode. We reap the wind and the sky when the sun is high. We sail the length of the seas on the ocean breeze. At night we name every star. We know where we are. We know who we are, who we are. What's that? Another statistics episode? Yeah, uh, if you haven't seen Ralph, I, I encourage you to go see it because I think it's pretty good. But beyond that, it is stuffed, stuffed to the brims with voice acting and roles and names and faces. And there's going to be a lot of people to get through in the actors part of this statistics episode, so much so that... If you haven't seen it, I really caution you not to listen because there are a ton of characters in this movie. I will be going through each one and who is voicing each person. And not all of them are necessarily displayed openly in the uh, trailer. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but suffice to say, I would wait. I wouldn't listen to all the roles and all the characters that are in the movie prior to. Um, watching the movie is what I meant to say so that being said let's get into it now because we got a long way to go Ralph breaks the internet Ralph breaks the internet it's got I saw it November 24th uh, so almost a week ago as of this release Uh, it's about 100 minutes long and it's 2018 film my brief summary a Wi-Fi router is plugged into the surge protector sending our protagonists on a journey to the internet Fairly straightforward. Uh, It's a little more complicated than that in that uh, Vanellope is in need of a new steering wheel for her game because it was broken, uh, which is partially Ralph's fault. And so they have to go find a new steering wheel that they can only get through eBay because it's the only place that is selling it. And so because it's too expensive for the guy that owns their arcade, they decide to go through, go there their se- themselves, and uh, figure out, figure it out from there, pretty much. Uh, as virtual characters who have no money, it's a little bit of a daunting s- situation, but they uh, they do what they can. They make it, they make it work somehow. Uh, they 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 resolve the issue by the end of the film, as you would expect. So. My rating is a 78. Uh, it's got an 86 on Rotten Tomatoes last I looked. And that's pretty good. Uh, that's actually higher than the first Ralph. I gave the first Ralph a 76. And I gave this one a 78. So two point difference. And makes the Ralph series an average rating of 77. Which ties it with other series such as Guardians of the Galaxy... Or, or no, it's one. It's half a point behind the average rating of the Guardians of the Galaxy films. It's tied with the Matrix movies. So uh, it's in good company. Definitely good company. Moving on to the director. Uh, the director-ers, I think it's plural. Yes, two directors. Three directors. No, two directors. Uh, the first is Rich Moore. This is his third film credit that I've seen. It drops his average film range way to an 83.33, it is his second film rate in the 70s and second best movie overall, coming in behind Zootopia and ahead of Wreck-It Ralph. 
He has a value of four, a score of 54.00, and is ranked 153rd overall, one spot behind Howard Hawks, one spot ahead of Neil Blomkamp. The other director, this is the only film credit I've seen of his, he uh, is Phil Johnston. He's more of a writer than a director. This is, I think, one, if not his first, one of his first forays into directing. This is his only film that I've seen. As a director, he has an average rating of 78. His only film is Ralph Breaks the Internet. He has a value of 1, a score of 27, and is ranked 1,042nd overall. Uh, so the direction. Uh, yeah, you know, a lot, not easy to, to, to talk about direction in an animated movie. But suffice to say, if we're looking at Ralph Breaks the Internet, one of the things that I think is so good about this movie and and works so well is the depiction of Ralph and Vanellope's relationship. There's significant chunks of the movie where they are separated and yet it never feels like the movie is about anything other than the two of them and and how they work together and a lot of that is in the writing but a lot of that is also in the direction and how the film superimposes these two personalities against each other. You have Ralph, this huge hulking guy who kind of just breaks everything he touches. And you have Vanellope, who's very tiny, minute, small in stature, but feisty and, and, and has a personality that is almost overwhelming, whereas Ralph's personality is a little more subdued, a little more um, understated in that sense. And they, they're perfect kind of foils for each other in that way, and that's what makes them and, and kind of be so such good friends. As we see in the very early parts of the movie, they are really good friends. They're hanging out together. They're sharing their hopes and dreams. We're six years later, and they're, you know, they're still together. They're still spending all their time together. And Ralph talks about how the favorite part of his day is when he's lifted up so that he can see... Um, the the can the the candy racing arcade game i think he says that at the end of the first movie but you know it, it carries on over to this one it's he clearly has a lot of affection for vanellope and uh she clearly you know cares a lot about him too and so the film is presented in a way where we open on we go from this tiny game of Wreck-It, of Fix-It Felix, technically, uh, in the first movie, which opened up to, through the Surge Protector to Hero's Duty, um, and Vanellope's, I cannot think of the name of it, Candy Sugar Land, Sugar Crush, I keep wanting to say Candy Crush, and I know that's not right, to Vanellope's racing game, and, and all these other, you know, you've got tappers, and so on and so forth, and that was pretty big. Like, that's a huge... Like, the Surge Protector seems big, especially when you uh, compare it to Fix-It Felix. In Ralph Breaks the Internet, we're now looking at the relationship between the Surge Protector and the Internet. And you have to just knock you... knock the viewers off... out of their seats with the size and scope of the Internet... In relation to the surge protector and i think they pull that off i think you know we get into the internet it is enormous uh it, it kind of reminded me of logo rama the animated short film 
where it's just everywhere you look, it's like, oh, it's eBay, oh, it's Twitter, it's Instagram, it's all these different things that you can find on the internet, and 90% of them we don't even interact with. 90% of them we don't even care about. They're just there as, as small Easter eggs that if you pause the scene every few seconds, you'll re recognize them later on. And because this is something, you know, we've seen giant virtual worlds uh, done wrong and incorrectly in movies like the Emoji, in, in like the Emoji movie and, and so on. So there's definitely a, a blueprint to how to fail at, at doing something like this where while Ralph breaks the internet, doesn't like it, it for all the sort of obvious and and straightforward meta references that this film has it never in my opinion it doesn't really feel like it's it's trying to force you into that mindset because at the end of the day the heart of this movie is Ralph and Vanellope's relationship and the movie does a good job of continuing to go back to that relationship continuing to bring it up, making sure that we know what's at stake so that we never get too lost in our surroundings. And I think that the direction of that is is very strong and, and does a good job of making that possible. Moving on to the writers, there are a lot of writers. Starting out with the top, uh, Phil Johnston, this is his fifth film credit as a writer. It increases his average film rating to a 66.4. It is his third film rated in the 70s and second best movie overall, coming in behind Zootopia, head of Wreck-It Ralph. He has a value of 3, a score of 50.43, and is ranked 254th overall, tied with Darren Aronofsky, one spot behind Robert E. Sherwood, one spot ahead of Peter Young. Uh, next is Jim Reardon. This is his fourth film credit as a writer. It increases his average film rating to a 70.25. It is his only film rate in the 70s. And third best movie overall, coming in behind Wally, for which he was nominated for an Oscar, and ahead of Christmas in Tattertown. Uh, Ralph increases his value to a 3, his score to a 49.83, and his rank to 266th overall. One spot behind John Hughes, one spot ahead of David Webb Peoples. Also, Josie Trinidad, this is her third film credit, increases her average film rating to a 72.33. It is her only film rated in the 70s, second best movie overall, coming in behind Zootopia and ahead of How to Hook Up Your Home Theater. She has a value of 2, a score of 45.4, and is ranked 433rd overall, one spot behind Michael Green, Oscar-nominated writer for Logan, and one spot ahead of Patty Chayefsky, Oscar-winning writer for Network, Marty, and The Hospital. Three-time screenplay winner. And uh, I believe the last one is Rich Moore. This is his third film credit as a writer. It increases his average film rating to a 69 even. It is his only film in the 70s, second best movie overall, coming in behind Zootopia and ahead of Technological Threat. He has a value of 2, a score of 43.4, and is ranked 521st overall, one spot behind Denis Villeneuve, and one spot ahead of John August. And I was wrong. There's at least one more person. It's Pamela Ribbon. 
This is her third film credit. It increases her average film rating to a 59.67. It is her only film rated in the 70s and second best movie overall. Coming in behind Moana and ahead of Smurfs, colon, The Lost Village. She has a value of 1, a score of 36.8, and is ranked 851st overall, one spot behind Agatha Christie, one spot ahead of Charles Dickens. Not bad company. And lastly is Kelly Younger. This is her only film credit that I've seen as a writer. Uh, it's, Rick, it's Ralph Breaks the Internet, is a value of one, a score of 27, and a rank of 2,215th overall. Uh, tied with like 30 people and um, too many to name. So, the writing in Ralph Breaks the Internet. I kind of I've definitely gra- grazed into it and, and talked about it when we at the director's part. But what I love about the writing of this film is that the climax of the movie, and not to go into too many specifics about it, but the climax of the movie is, you know, you, you end up with, in the first movie, this just a, just kind of a, just straight up villain, right? And he represented a lot of things, but physically speaking, we just had one guy as a villain, and in this movie, we don't have that. Uh, the, the, the antagonist, the villain, uh, isn't a thing. It's not, a, it's not somebody out there that has to be defeated or beaten up or killed or, or sent to whatever. It's, it's the, the primary conflict of Ralph Breaks the Internet is internal. You know, it is all about this relationship between Ralph and Vanellope and getting to this point where you know the the emotions between the two of them are manifesting in uh, easily depicted ways you know this provides a great language to talk about these things with kids who are going to go see this movie it does this it does a similar thing that inside out does where it allows parents and adults to you know easily talk about what a kid is feeling and that is a huge huge plus in my opinion like that makes this movie really good you know it it puts you know it, it puts something that isn't easy to describe into terms that anyone can understand and i love that i absolutely love that and i think that the the way the narrative and story work to push us into this result isn't as good as it could have been. I think there are definitely some side avenues of the film that are clunky, uh, that while the result is great and I love the ending, I think that the way we got to it is a little clunky, uh, which, I don't know, it's, it's... you know, the ends don't always justify the means, especially when you're writing or, or talking about writing. But, you know, you, you you end up with this going from point A to B to C to D to E. And if you're trying to get to F in the most simplistic and natural way possible, you don't break off at like, I don't know, I feel like I'm... I'm stretching the the relevance of this metaphor but if you break off at c to go over to like h 
because you need to get to H so that when you get to D, it makes sense or, or whatever. You know, if you have to do this thing, one thing so that the next thing you need to do makes sense, then you've not, you haven't written yourself in the right direction somewhere along the line. And I, I don't, you know, again, I can't like fix this movie and I can't say that I know what the best op- avenue would have been, but there are definitely instances where I felt, oh, hey, we're taking this big detour. What does this have to do with the end of the movie? Couldn't this have been figured out? To, uh, couldn't this have been figured out? You know, in an easier and and more easily digestible way. And I think yes, most of the time that had. I think there has to have been a way. And maybe that maybe there wasn't. You know, maybe this just ended up being so clunky because it was the only way, based on the parameters that the writers had, to get to where they needed to go. And you know, in that sense, you know, maybe there was. You know, maybe there was no option or opportunity for Ralph Breaks the Internet to have that perfect arc in in narrative. But I do think that the 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 relationships established are perfect. I I love the relationship between Ralph and Melpi, and I think it's written really well. And I think the ending really services the that relationship to a T. So I I do like the writing, but it does have some issues for me. Moving on to the most pivotal part, and where most of the time of this episode is going to be swallowed up, acting. Here we go. Let's do this. We start out with John C. Riley. This is his 43rd film credit. It increases his average film rating to a 62.33. It's his 13th film rated in the 70s and 9th best movie overall, coming in behind Magnolia and ahead of his other voice role in Sing. Oh, wait. Hold on. Where's... Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, behind and ahead of Sing. Uh, he has a value of 12.14. Uh, a score of 73.56, and he's ranked 55th overall, one spot behind Paul Newman, one spot ahead of Kamatari Fujiwara. R- John C. Riley plays Ralph, and he's great. He's really good as Ralph. He reprises the role. He brings a lot of vulnerability to his character, who is this big, hulking guy, and he feels down-to-earth, and he feels real, and I love so much about that character and, and John C. Riley really brings him to life. Next up is Bill Hader. This is his 46th film credit. It increases his average film rating to a 59.91. It's his 15th film rated in the 70s and 11th best movie overall coming in behind Sausage Party and head of Tropic Thunder. He has a value of 12, a score of 69.42 and is ranked 121st overall. One spot behind Isao Kimura and one spot ahead of Laurie Metcalf. Uh, and so Bill Hader plays the voice of J.P. Spamley. Uh, so at one point in the film, they meet a spam advertisement to make money playing video games. And that guy is J.P. Spamley, voiced by Bill Hader, who is awesome. You know, he, he fits these tiny roles perfectly. He throws on an accent. It, it all works. It all works. Next up is Anthony Daniels. 
This is his 15th film credit, increases his average film rating to a 67.67. It's his third film rate in the 70s and sixth best movie overall, coming in behind Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens, and ahead of Star Wars Episode 6, Return of the Jedi. He has a value of 9.5, a score of 69.21, and is ranked 125th overall, one spot behind Vincent Schiavelli, and one spot ahead of Rudy Bond. And Anthony Daniels as you might expect, is voicing C-3PO, because C-3PO is in this movie. He is a, an attendant of the Disney princesses in Disneyland. Disney World. Disney, whatever they call the Disney place in this movie. Next up is Kelly McDonald. This is her 18th film credit. Increases her average film rate to a 66.22. It's her fourth film rated in the 70s and sixth best movie overall. Coming in behind Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 and ahead of Elizabeth. She has a value of 7, a score of 68.6 and is ranked, ranked 142nd overall. One spot behind Frank McClure, one spot ahead of Lee Patrick. And she voices Merida from Brave, but in this movie... And she really only has one line, I think, where she talks in Gaelic, and no one can understand her, for the most part. But it's always cool to see these characters again. Alfred Molina. This is his 37th film credit. Increases his average film rating to a 57.81. It's his 12th film, and rated in the 70s and 10th best movie overall, coming in behind The Imposters and ahead of uh, the animated DC movie Wonder Woman. Uh, he has a value of 64. 6.5, a score of 61.35, and is ranked 405th overall, one spot behind Raid Serbezija. Oh boy. Serbezija? Serbejida. Serbejida. Serbezija. He's Croatian. One spot ahead of Natalie Portman. <laughs> Alfred Molina is the voice of Double Dan, who is a nefarious, uh, sluggy creature that lives in the dark net, the dark web, and sells viruses. Alfred Molina, perfect voice for this character. You know, he has that sort of, you know, don't mess with me, I, you know, I've been in... His voice reflects the level of you know, like, I, I couldn't give a crap about your your situation, this is a business transaction kind of situation. I like that. Next up is Alan Tudyk. This is his 33rd film credit. Increases his average film rate to a 57.79. It's his sixth film. Rated in the 70s and ninth best movie overall. Coming in behind A Knight's Tale and ahead of Serenity. He has a value of 4, a score of 58.49, and is ranked 578th overall, one spot behind Christopher Guest, one spot ahead of Russell Crowe. Alan Tudyk was the voice of King Candy in the first Ralph movie. In this movie, he voices Nosemore, who is like a search engine, but personified. And it's insane. He, it's crazy that he voices both of those characters because they are so, so different and... He's amazing. He's just an incredible voice actor. Next up is Tim Allen. This is his 24th film credit. Increases his average film rate to a 57.92. It's his fifth film rated in the 70s and fifth best movie overall. Coming in behind Galaxy Quest and ahead of Toy Story of Terror. Another voice role. 
He has a value of 3.5, a score of 56.96, and is ranked 686th overall. One spot behind Forrest Whitaker, one spot ahead of Douglas M. Griffin. Tim Allen is the voice of Buzz Lightyear, who shows up in this movie. That's about it, though. Uh, next is Corey Burton. This is his 22nd film credit, increases his average film rate to a 56.55. It's his fourth film, rated in the 70s, and fifth best movie overall, coming in behind The Princess and the Frog and ahead of The Hunchback of Notre Dame. He has a value of 3.5, a score of 55.33, and is ranked 810th overall, tied with Bill Milner, one spot behind Elizabeth Banks, one spot ahead of Stanley Holloway. And Corey Burton is the voice of Grumpy one of the seven dwarves, and I believe the only one we see in the movie who kind of operates like a bouncer in the movie. Next up is Jane Lynch. This is her 19th film credit. Increases her average film rating to a 57.26. It's her sixth film rated in the 70s and second best movie overall, coming in behind The Fugitive and ahead of Wreck-It Ralph. She has a value of 2.5, a score of 54.31, and is ranked 908th overall, one spot behind Tamsin Grigg and one spot ahead of Anthony Mackie. Jane Lynch reprising her role as Calhoun from the first Wreck-It Ralph. Unfortunately, not given a lot to do in this movie. Uh, really doesn't have any any arc as a character. They try to shoehorn in this side plot with Felix and Calhoun, and I understand it, but it doesn't get any it doesn't get nearly enough time to become you know meaningful. Unfortunately, which is sad because I like both of those characters. Next up is Sarah Silverman. This is her 19th film credit, increases her average film rating to a 57.26. It's her third film rated in the 70s and fifth best movie overall, coming in behind Harmontown, in which she plays herself, and ahead of Wreck-It Ralph. She has a value of 2, a score of 53.81, and is ranked 955th overall, one spot behind Jeff Garland, one spot ahead of Julianne Nicholson. She plays Vanellope who is elevated from supporting character in the first film to a main character in the second in the sequel. She is a lead, she is a co-lead with Ralph. She has many scenes that are by herself. She even has a song that she sings that I love and it's hilarious and funny and, and to- such a great um parody and um subversion of typical Disney princess songs because Penelope is a Disney princess as the movie points out. I think Sarah Silverman gives this movie... She has the perfect voice for Vanellope, and she is amazing at it. Uh, Really, truly amazing. I I thought she did an incredible job. Uh, Nearly, nearly good enough to, like, make my list of lead performances this year. Like, that's how good I think she is in this movie. Sarah Silverman. Next up is Jason Manzukis. This is his 16th film credit. Increases his average film rating to a 54.31. It's his third film rated in the 70s and third best movie overall. Coming in behind the Lego Batman movie and ahead of Neighbors. He has a value of 1, a score of 49.28 and is ranked 1,420th overall. One spot behind Liv Tyler. One spot ahead of Ariel Winter. Jason Manzukis, who plays... According to IMDb, the character Hei Nongman, and uh, he basically asks questions of another character who's doing some sort of an interview, kind of, and uh, he just asks annoying questions about things that he doesn't get answers to, and he does a great job 
being annoying. It's perfect for his voice. Next up is Nicole Scherzinger. This is her third film credit, uh, increasing her average film range to a 77. It is her only film in the 70s and second best movie overall, coming in behind Moana and ahead of Men in Black 3. She has a score or a value of 3, a score of 49.2, and is ranked 1,428th overall, one spot behind Daniel Bruhl, one spot ahead of Lance Reddick. Nicole Scherzinger, who plays the voice of Moe's mom. I don't remember who Moe is. Moe Wreck-It-Ralph. Oh, it's, uh, it's, um... So it takes place in the real world. Okay, yeah, it just takes place in the real world. So, Nicole Scherzinger, after credit scene, after credit scene, that's all I'll say. Uh, next up is Idina Menzel. <laughs> this is her seventh film credit, increases her average film range to a 60.14. It's her only film in the 70s and fourth best movie overall, coming in behind Frozen and ahead of Rent. She has a value of 2, a score of 48.78, and is ranked 1,475th overall, one spot behind Anna Levine, and one spot ahead of Fran Kranz. Idina Menzel, uh, reprising her role as Elsa, one of the many, many, many Disney princesses. Next up is Jack McBrayer. This is his 16th film credit, increases his average film range to a 54.56. It's his Third film, fourth film, rated in the 70s and third best movie overall, coming in behind Despicable Me and ahead of Wreck-It Ralph. He has a value of negative one, a score of 47.5, and is ranked 1,623rd overall. One spot behind uh, Misha Auer, and one spot ahead of Annette Benning. He reprises his role as Fix-It Felix, who, as I mentioned, is kind of in the same place as Calhoun with a shoehorned in side plot that didn't do enough for me. No. Next up is Linda Larkin. This is her second film credit. Drops her average filming to 85.5. It's her only film in the 70s and second best movie overall, coming in behind Aladdin. She has a value of three, a score of 45.75, and is ranked 1,835th overall. Tied with a bunch of people, one spot behind Charlotte Rampling, one spot ahead of John Voight, and she is the voice of... Jasmine, reprising her role from the original Aladdin. So nice to see so many original voice cast members return. Next up is Ed O'Neill. This is his 10th film credit. Uh, increases his average film range to a 55.4. It's his, one of his, um, his third film rated in the 70s and best movie overall coming in ahead of Wreck-It Ralph. He has a value of negative 0.5, a score of 45.67, and is ranked 1,850th overall, one spot behind Bo Bridges, one spot ahead of Chris Pine. Ed O'Neill uh, playing the voice of Mr. Litwack, who is the owner of the arcade. Just a great, sensible, charming old guy. Next is Aoi Cravalho. This is her third film credit, increasing her average film range to a 71.67. It is her only film in the 70s and second best movie overall, coming in ahead, uh, behind Moana and ahead of the Moana short film Gone Fishing. 
She has a value of 2, a score of 45.00, and is ranked 1920th overall, one spot behind Hannibal Burris, one spot ahead of Kath Susie. Here she reprises her role as Moana, one of the Disney princesses. I love, I'm so excited. I love Ali Corvallo. I hope she finds more, more work besides the character of Moana, because I liked her a lot. I thought she did a really good job. Next up is Vin Diesel. This is his 25th film credit, increasing his average film rating to 52.8. It's his third film in the 70s and fourth best movie overall, coming in behind Guardians of the Galaxy and ahead of Find Me Guilty. He has a value of negative 4, a score of 44.89, and is ranked 1,943rd overall, one spot behind Bill Nye, one spot ahead of Zoe Lister-Jones, Rosario Dawson, and Archie Punjabi. He reprises his role from the uh, from the Guardians of the Galaxy movies as Baby Groot. Baby Groot. Next up is Jodie Benson. This is her 10th film credit, increasing her average film rating to 53.8. It's her th- first film in the 70s and fourth best movie overall, coming in behind The Little Mermaid and ahead of Hawaiian Vacation. She has a value of negative 0.5, a score of 44.33, and is ranked 2021st overall. One spot behind Spalding Gray and one spot ahead of Alexandra Holden. She, as many of you know, as the Little Mermaid's name in, uh, kind of hints at, is the voice of Ariel in the movie. So, 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 feels so good. I love it so much. Next is John DiMaggio. This is his 25th film credit, increasing his average film rating to a 50.72. It's his fourth film in the 70s and fourth movie overall, coming in behind Batman, colon, Under the Red Hood, and ahead of the animated film Wonder Woman. He has a value of negative 4, a score of 42.96, and is ranked 2,207th overall, one spot behind Max Casella, one spot ahead of Drew Barrymore. John DiMaggio is the voice of Arthur. Uh, who I could not find. Oh, wait, maybe I do now. Maybe it's up. Nope. Used to have a page on the Disney Wiki. Does not anymore. So I don't know what uh, who Arthur was. I don't remember. Next up is Irene Bedard. This is her fourth film credit, increasing her average film rating to a 56.25. It's her only film in the 70s and second best movie overall, coming in behind Pocahontas and ahead of The New World. She has a value of net 0.5, positive 0.5. She has a score of 38, a rank of 2,892, and is one spot behind Angelina Jolie, one spot ahead of Hank Azaria. She is the voice of Pocahontas, reprising her role from the original animated film. So lovely. Next up is Anika Noni Rose. This is her fifth film credit, increasing her average film rating to a 52.8. It's her second film in the 70s and second best movie overall, coming in behind Princess and the Frog, ahead of Assassination Nation. She has a value of negative 0.5, a score of 37.21, and is ranked 2,996th overall. One spot behind Stephen Dorff, one spot ahead of Jimmy Kimmel, and she reprises her role as um, from from the Princess and the Frog as why am I blanking on this name um, Tiana right Tiana jeez 
Next up is Kristen Bell. This is her 25th film credit, increasing her average film rating to a 47.44. It's her second film rate in the 70s, fifth best movie overall, coming in behind Frozen, ahead of the uh, of Big Miracle. She has a value of negative 7, a score of 36.93, and is ranked 3,028th overall. One spot behind Don Johnson, one spot ahead of Judy Greer. She reprises her role as Anna from Frozen. Next up is Jennifer Hale. This is her sixth film credit, increasing her average film rate to a 49.83. It's her second film rate in the 70s and best movie overall, coming in ahead of Wreck-It Ralph. She has a value of negative 0.5, a score of 36.88, and is ranked 3,032nd overall. One spot behind Lucas Till, one spot ahead of Regina King. Jennifer Hale voicing Cinderella, whose original voice actor sadly uh, could not reprise that role. Jennifer Hale does a good job of stepping in and filling those shoes. Next up is June Squibb. This is her, ninth, her 16th film credit, increasing her average film rating to a 47.81. It is her second film, rated in the 70s and third best movie overall, coming in behind Seven Days in Hell and ahead of other people. She has a value of negative 6.5, a score of 36 even, and is ranked 3,129th overall, one spot behind Demi Moore, one spot ahead of Kirstie Alley. June Squibb plays the voice of Jimmy's grandma, who I again forget who that is. Such tiny roles. Next is Paige O'Hara. This is her third film credit, increasing her average film rating to a 57.33. It's her only film rated in the 70s and second best movie overall, coming in behind Beauty and the Beast and ahead of Rhapsody Street Kids, colon, Believe in Santa. She has a value of 1, a score of 35.4, and is ranked 3,189th overall. One spot behind Shawnee Smith, one spot ahead of Chris... Nope, Anthony Hayes. Anthony Hayes. Paige O'Hara, uh, you might remember, was the voice of Belle in Beauty and the Beast. Surprise, surprise. Next up is Tim Timothy Simmons. Simons, probably. Simons. Timothy Simons. This is his eighth film credit, increasing his average film rating to a 48.13. It's his only film in the 70s. Best movie overall, coming in ahead of Digging for Fire. It, he has a value of negative 3.5, a score of 35 even, and is ranked 3,238th overall. One spot behind Akeem Tamirov, and one spot ahead of Robert Wagner. No, it's probably pronounced Wagner, because he's American. Uh, Timothy Simons is the voice of the Butcher Boy. The Butcher Boy. Next up is Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. Uh, this is her 13th film credit, increasing her average film rating to a 45.23. It is her third movie rated in the 70s and best movie overall, coming in just ahead of Wonder Woman. She has a value of negative 6.5, a score of 32.7, and is ranked 3,488th overall. One spot behind uh, Ione Sky. Ione Sky. Uh, one spot ahead of Brett Cullen. She voices Shank in the film, who is a principal supporting character. And she does a really good job. You... She is part of uh, Vanellope Sarah Silverman's song uh, and doesn't do too bad at that either. And uh, she just, her voice exudes cool. Now that she's associated with Wonder Woman, Shank is a great character for Gal Gadot. 
Next up is Taraji P. Henson. This is her 13th film credit, increasing her average film rate to a 43.69. It is her third film rate in the 70s and second best movie overall, coming in behind Hustle and Flow and ahead of The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. She has. That doesn't sound right. I don't think she was in that, was she? That just struck me as very odd. Nope, she was in The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. And nominated, which my spreadsheet reflects, but I did not remember her from that movie. Anyway, uh, she has a value of negative 5.5, a score of 32.37, and is ranked 3,526th overall. One spot behind Elizabeth, Elizabeth Shue, one spot ahead of Harry Treadaway. Tragedy Henson plays Yes, with three S's uh, in the film, who uh, is one of the... I don't know, I forget the label that she gives herself in the film, but she basically decides on who gets to be in videos on their knockoff version of YouTube, and that is part of, a substantial part of the movie, as it turns out. She's like, her, she does a really good job, she's extremely excited and, and all about everything. Next up is Diana Agron. This is her sixth film credit. Increases her average film rate to a 46.83. It's her third film in the 70s. Best movie overall. Coming in ahead of Novitiate. She has a value of negative 3. A score of 32.13. And is ranked 3,549th overall. One spot behind Christopher McDonald. One spot ahead of Brad Garrett. And Diana Agron plays the voice of the news anchor that talks about Primarily Wreck-It Ralph, or Ralph, I guess, uh, and his shenanigans throughout the film. Next up is Brad Garrett. This is his 23rd film credit, increasing his average film rate to a 45.78. It is his first film in the 70s, and only film in the 70s, and sixth best movie overall, coming in behind Porco Rosso and ahead of Casper. He has a value of negative 10, a score of 32.12, and is ranked 3,552nd overall. One spot behind, <gasps> Diana Agron. One spot ahead of Sam Spruill. Brad Garrett voices Eeyore. 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 Next up is Ming-Na Wen. This is her seventh film credit, increasing her average film rate to a 43.86. It's her only film in the 70s, second best movie overall, coming in behind Mulan and ahead of... Marvel Studios, colon, colon, assembling a universe. She has a value of negative 3, a score of 31.11, and is ranked 3,658th overall, one spot behind Anson Mount, one spot ahead of Billy West. She is the voice of Mulan, reprising her role from the original movie. Uh, and still sounds exactly like her, even when Mulan looks like she hasn't aged today. Next up is Mandy Moore. This is her 15th film credit, increasing her average film rate to a 43.27. It's her only film in the 70s, second best movie overall, coming in behind Tangled and ahead of The Princess Diaries. She has a value of negative 8.5, a score of 29.68, and is ranked 3,776th overall, one spot behind Meg Ryan, one spot ahead of Ice-T or Phil Collins. Take your pick. Uh, she is the voice of Rapunzel from Tangled reprising her role, like many of these other Disney princesses. Next up is Peter Cullen. This is his ninth film credit, increasing his average film rate to a 38 even. It's his first film in the 70s, best movie overall, coming in ahead of the Tigger movie. 
He has a value of negative 7.5, a score of 23.59, and is ranked 4,247th overall. One spot behind Christoph Conrad, one spot ahead of Rufus Sewell. Peter Cullen is the voice of somebody, but it's not showing up. Uh, let me see here. I added it for a reason. What does Letterboxd think he voiced? Because IMDb says nothing. Oh, well, Letterboxd says he voiced Eeyore. That conflicts with Brad Garrett. Makes me think he didn't voice Eeyore. Huh. Well, we're just going to remove that from his page. And you can just forget that I even brought it up. Clearly, I vet these things so well. Just uh, update the stats here a little bit. And there we go. All right. Um, and that's it. That was the last person. So that's it. Uh, quick rundown uh 33 voice credits on this film that are on my spreadsheet right now potentially more moving forward as any of them find new homes uh moving on to genre genre ralph breaks the internet 78 from 2018 it is an adventure animated comedy fantasy movie uh, increasing the average rating of adventures to 50.93, animation to 51.74, comedy to 51.99, and fantasy to 51.67. It's a 3 on the Bechtel test, increasing that to 1.42, and uh, it's rated PG. PG. Currently no Oscar nominations, but uh, seems good to get a nomination for Best Animated Feature. And that's probably it. Uh, no Circle of Film Award nominations right now. I am toying with, I think it will ultimately get in, at least as a nomination for the time being, for a song, for Vanellope's song, because there's, yeah, I think it should get there. And, uh, that's probably it, though, if I'm being honest that's the only one it can get in for at the moment uh, but keep an eye keep an eye out uh, moving on one of the 270 films I've seen in 2018 one of the 1710 films I've seen in 2018 one of the 270 films I've seen from 2018 increasing the average rating to 43.19 tomato meter to 61.04 the 41st adventure film 21st animated film 92nd comedy and 33rd fantasy film it is one of the 76 good films ratio 0.5 76 to 151 good to bad one of the 53.7 percent of films with a three on the bechtel test one of the 29 films rated pg as a film with a rating of 78 it is one of the 93 films that i've given that rating to including this year whitney the documentary and mandy the Nicolas Cage bloody gory revenge movie. You look at last year's movies, rated 78, and you will see such names as Bad Genius 
foreign language film, I, Tanya, uh, and Professor Marston and the Wonder Women. Wonder Women. Yeah, so uh, all that saying, uh, I really enjoyed Wreck It, uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet. Keep fumbling that. And I loved Sarah Silverman. I loved the relationship between Ralph and Penelope. I died during the scene uh, scenes with the Disney princesses. I did not know how much I needed those moments until I saw them. They were exquisite and overwhelming, more so than like the, I don't know, just like an Avengers movie, even for me. And uh, if we never get more scenes like that, fine i'm okay with it we got one or two and that's good enough but man a movie with just all of them together would be like for the whole movie i, I don't even know if i could wrap my brain around it awesome so that is the end of today's episode i want to thank you for um listening and i mentioned this on my twitter account uh but I'm thinking of adjusting the average, the normal time for these mo- these episodes to go out back off of noon because, as it has been shown to be, a little tight for me to get these out there at that time um, later, lately. That may change in a, in a couple of weeks, but for now, uh, I am looking at pushing everything back to like more like three, maybe four in the afternoon. So keep heads up on that. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I really do appreciate it. And now, the outro, courtesy of Meg Berquist. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you would like to listen to more episodes, you can find this podcast at circleoffilm.com or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. If you'd like to follow Ryan on Twitter, you can find him at circleoffilm or contact him through email at circleoffilm at gmail.com. You can also support the show at patreon.com slash circlefilm for as little as eight cents an episode. Thank you again for listening, and have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same night. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fails.